Hello everyone, welcome back to day 12 of the God is Love series. I believe that you are being blessed and being delivered from the power of God's love, from the fear, the anxiety that you may be going through right now. At such times when there is the information of the disease ravaging through India and everyday news and pictures about people dying, especially in dire conditions at the ICU, unable to breathe, you know, it just releases such a spirit of fear all across the nation that the one thing that I know is on the hearts and minds of everyone in our nation today is the uncertainty of the future, this fear of the virus, this fear that they will lose someone that they love. And fear is tormenting. Fear is a prison. Fear is something you never wish on anyone because I know what it feels like to be tormented by fear. I've gone through panic attacks. I've gone through depression. And I know that fear can be such a weight on our shoulders, just such a disease in our minds that unless someone actually goes through something like that, it's very difficult to explain. What really set me free from the tormenting bondage of fear was the knowledge of God's love for me. I tried everything. I tried fasting and I had temporary relief. I bound the devil, I cast out the spirit of fear, and I did get relief. I would praise God and worship God, and I would still get, you know, some kind of relief, but the thoughts of anxiety would still come back. Sometimes the feelings of anxiety would come back, and I would go through seasons of victory, and then there would be seasons of defeat, uh, seasons of sleeplessness. But it was only when I was established in my heart in the grace of God, the knowledge of His love for me, that He so loves me, and this is proven in the grace of Jesus Christ, the sacrifice of His Son for me, and that when I come to know His love, the width and the length and the height and the depth of this love, which far surpasses knowledge, just means mere intellectual reasoning and understanding, but when I experience it by the power of His Holy Spirit, in Romans chapter 8, verse 15 says, God has not given us a spirit of bondage again to fear, but God has given us the spirit of adoption or sonship by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. So when you're born again, God does not give you fear. God does not bring you back into bondage to um, an unholy, an unhealthy fear, even about the life, about future, about who he is. But God puts a spirit of sonship in our hearts by, who, by which we are able to cry out, Abba, Father. That means experience such deep intimacy, experience a revelation that we are sons, that it sets us free from the bondage of fear. Fear is not part of God's inheritance for you and me. Fear is not something Jesus died for us to have. That's why 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You see, God did not give you fear. So if you are fearing right now, if you're going through fear, if you're fearing your future, that is not from God. That is just from the thoughts that you are exposing yourself to daily, from the information, the news that you're getting around the world, and also from your own feelings. You see, words are powerful. I really want to encourage you in such times. What Ask the question, what are you really listening to? Because according to the words you receive, it is affecting your heart, your hope. It's affecting your faith. 
You know, Romans chapter 1, verse 16 says, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Paul says the gospel, which means good news, and good news which comes to us through words, words in the scripture, words that are spoken to us through a preacher, an evangelist. Good news is the power, the power of God unto salvation. That means there's power in words. And when we hear those words, the power of God is released in our hearts to save us from fear, to save us from anxiety and oppression of darkness. You know, many people have been calling and saying, I'm going through nightmares. I cannot sleep at night. Um, I'm having panic attacks because of what is happening. But I want to tell you this. Even in the midst of the storm, you can have peace, surpassing peace, supernatural peace, the peace that passes all understanding. In the midst of darkness, in the midst of pain, in the midst of problems, your soul can be at rest. I know this because I have gone through several situations in my life when I had to take my wife to the hospital, my son to the hospital, all within the span of six, seven days. I, we experienced terrible things happening in the house. And at the same time, uh, the Bible school was going on, and I was teaching two, three hours a day, and I was just assailed with thoughts of um, worry, thoughts of anxiety, but I did not allow it to enter my heart because I chose to guard my heart with the good news. That means I kept on being conscious. I kept on looking to the gospel and believing every day, God loves me. God loves me. God loves me even in the midst of this problem. God loves me in the midst of this sickness. God loves me in the middle of this sickness. God loves me when there is a crisis and I do not know what to do about it. God still loves me in such a moment. And let me tell you this. When I believed that God loves me, even in the midst of the crisis, there was something supernatural released in my, in my heart that just was like a shield, shield against all the arrows of fear the arrows of anxiety that the devil was trying to just strike my heart with. So let me encourage you with this. In the midst of this situation, this storm, you can be at peace inside your heart. And when you have peace inside your heart, you can release that presence. You can release that atmosphere over your own circumstance and over your family and your friends. Because the world right now needs people who are full of peace and who can speak peace and release God's authority in different situations. Listen, when your friends are panicking, you can be at peace. When the world is just scared, not knowing what to do, you can be cool because Jesus lives in you and you have the knowledge of God's love. Let me share with you a story from the Old Testament in Genesis chapter 22. How you can be sure God loves you. And let me tell you this. This was a story that really gave me a revelation that God loves me and that it is settled for eternity. In Genesis 22, God comes to Abraham in verse 1 and tells him, Abraham, take now your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So God tells Abraham to sacrifice his son. And notice the word that God uses. Your only son, the son whom you love. It was almost as if God is rubbing it in, in Abraham's heart. That even this is the son, your only son, the son whom you love, I want you to sacrifice him to me. 
But in verse 3, we see that Abraham did not question God. Abraham was not anxious or worried. He rose early in the morning. He was quick to obey, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him, and Isaac, his son, split the wood for the burnt offering, arose, and went to the place of which God had told him. This does not look like a man who was anxious or worried or battling with this decision. This looks like a man who was just ready to obey God. And I believe he knew something in his heart which we do not. Looking back in the context of this story is because Abraham knew that he was in a covenant with God. A covenant means God had bound himself by a promise to Abraham that surely he is Abraham's God. He will provide for him. He will bless him. Which meant that Abraham knew in his heart that even if Isaac died, God would raise him from the dead because God had already promised him that out of his seed will come forth nations. So Abraham knew if God had promised, God will surely do it. God had bound himself by an oath that Abraham would be the father of many nations. The only way was through a legal heir, a physical heir. So Abraham knew deep down in his heart that even if Isaac was sacrificed, God would raise him back from the dead. So Abraham goes up to Mount Moriah, and then in verse 10, the Bible says, Abraham stretched out his hand, took the knife to slay his son. So Abraham met an altar of wood, put Isaac on it, and he was about to sacrifice his son. That means in Abraham's heart, it was almost as if Isaac is dead. If God looks into his heart, God knew that Abraham had already sacrificed his son, even though the physical act did not consummate. Verse 11, But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. So he said, Here I am. Verse 12, And God said, Do not lay your hand on the lad or do anything to him, for now I know that you fear God, since you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. So God received his confirmation. This was a test of Abraham's faith. So Abraham obeyed God to the final point. Even though the physical act did not consummate, in Abraham's heart, Isaac was as good as dead. And God saw that Abraham was as good as sacrificing his son Isaac on the cross. So in seeing that, God says to Abraham, Now I know, now, based on this sacrifice, based on the fact that you're willing to give your son for me, based on the fact that Isaac is as good as dead and you have done it in obedience to me, God says, now I know. That means God is telling Abraham the evidence of your love for me, the evidence of your fear, your worship, your honor towards me is final now. I know, I know, I don't have a shadow of a doubt that you fear me since you did not withhold your son, your only son from me. To God's eyes, Isaac's sacrifice was the confirmation that Abraham obeyed, respected, feared and loved God. Now, if we flip this story around, because many of the stories in the Old Testament are types wherein we see the gospel, and here we see God the Father, also Jesus, the Son, God, in this story. 
And we see the story of God's love for mankind, which is where our redemption comes from. So here, Abraham in this story is a type of God. Isaac is a type of Jesus. And we are on the other end, wherein we are receiving the benefit of this sacrifice. So Abraham, God, on the same mount of Moriah, many years in the future, Jesus on Golgotha is sacrificed. So the father sacrifices his son, Jesus, the heavenly Isaac, on the same mountain range, on the cross for our sins. So that we can look at the cross, we can look at Jesus sacrificed on the cross and see the heart of God, our Father. And then we can say to God, now I know, now I am convinced, now it is confirmed to me that you love me because you did not withhold your son, your only son, the son whom you love from me. Friends, this cannot get any clearer to us than this story. This is where we are sure that God loves us today. This is where a strong assurance can lie on this truth. That since God did not withhold his son, the son whom he loves, his only son from us to die on the cross for our sins, then this is where the confirmation of God's love is for us today. The confirmation doesn't come from a temporary blessing. Maybe you got healed, but after some months you get sick again. Maybe you got a financial blessing and you're feeling happy. You feel like God loves you, but you can use up that money very fast and still have nothing. You can have people saying good things about you, but tomorrow the same people can be gossiping about you. So the circumstances of life are very temporary. We cannot really determine God loves us through the temporary circumstances of life. In fact, this pandemic, uh, people may be thinking God has left us, God has abandoned us, God is far from us. But even in the midst of this darkness, the revelation of Jesus' sacrifice, the act of Jesus' sacrifice is an eternal act. It can never be undone. That means the surety of God's love for the whole world is confirmed in this act. And whatever the world may be going through right now is not really a confirmation or a sign that God is angry with everyone because God loves the world. And in such moments, God wants the world to come back to him. Now, whatever reasons we may be questioning is, well, then why is the pandemic happening? Why are people dying? You see, uh, the world is in a cursed state. The world is under a judgment. And that is why we have sickness, we have disease, we have natural calamities. Uh, all these natural calamities and these judgments is not something that God does personally, directly uh, to judge the world because his heart is a heart of grace and love towards us. Yes, there is a judgment when people don't believe in Jesus Christ and they will not be saved and they will be in eternity separate from God in hell. However, this is a time when God wants to reveal his grace even to the world so that they can believe in Jesus and turn to him. But God can use around, use this darkness. God can use this situation to cause man's heart to seek a savior, to seek for help. And that is how he can bring the knowledge of God's love, Jesus, to them so that they can receive Jesus and be saved. So the world needs to know this in such time. 
the world needs to know this. The greatest revelation that the world needs is the knowledge of God's love. I was seeing some videos of certain people destroying the idols because in such a difficult time, our times, uh, their gods could not help them. Uh, the idols could not help them. You see, this is a time when people really need a revelation of the one true God. And that revelation is given to us. That confirmation is given to us. We can see the love of God. Love can be seen. You know, when I was in boarding school in Shillong, I was studying in St. Peter's, and then for a year I was in St. John's School. Um, we were in boarding school, so we were just shut up in that room, that, uh, that building for three to four months at the time. So my mother would come at the beginning of every month during the um, time when the guardians can come and visit. Then she would drive all the way from Nagaland all through Assam and then Shillong. And in those days, we didn't have comfortable cars. It was through an ambassador car, but she would come. There was no AC in the car, but she would still come with food that she has prepared for us all the way from Nagaland. And she would come and visit us, even if it was just for one or two hours. Now, when we look back and we see that she was willing to make all that sacrifice, she was willing to do all that work, just even for one to two hours on a Saturday uh, once a month, that is an act of love. That is a sacrifice of love. Love can be seen. It is seen through acts of sacrifice. Greater love has no one than this, than a man lay his life down for a friend. Love can be seen. How can I see the love of God? People look at a rainbow and say God loves them, but the rainbow can disappear immediately. People look at something beautiful happening in their life and they say, this is how I know God loves me, but life is temporary. That beautiful feeling, it vanishes. That beautiful event, it, it, it ends. The only eternal, stable sign that I can have every day where my heart and my mind can lock onto it so that I am not unstable, so that I'm not insecure, so that my feelings are not up one day, down the other day, is the eternal act of God's love for me on the cross. Because that can never be removed. That can never pass away. And the power of that sacrifice is still valid and active and present today as if Jesus died only yesterday or just now. The power of that act. So that is the sign. When I look to the cross, I see. I'm not saying the cross all the way back 2,000 years ago and it's an old love. No. Even though Jesus died about 2,000 years back, the power of that act, the life, the, the benefit, the privileges that are given to me because of that sacrifice is as valid as if it was written just now on fresh ink. And this revelation is a transformational experience in your life, I tell you. Because you can see the love of God every day. Every day you can see that God loves you and it is the act of redemption on the cross. This was a transformational experience in my own life and ministry. Because as I started out in the ministry, 
I was filled with insecurity. I was filled with uh, discouragement so many times. When the attendance in the church would increase, I would be so happy and I would be so encouraged and I would say, God really loves me because he sent all the people. But the next Sunday, it rained so much, like here in Kohima, it rains one day, it doesn't rain the other day. Sometimes when it rains a lot, people don't come. And when I see that people don't come and I'm preaching to half an empty crowd, I get discouraged and I begin to question, God, you don't really love me? You didn't send people? So my faith was so unstable because it was just connected to the changing circumstances of the ministry. When the finances would increase, I would feel like, wow, this is amazing. I would feel happy, excited. But sometimes the finances go down and I would get into anxiety and worry again and doubt whether God loves me. And I began to feel that, you know, I have to try harder. I have to be a better person. I have to be doing better works to please God because if I try harder, if I'm a better pastor, and if I'm doing more righteous works, then God will bless me and I will earn his love. So I would work to earn the love of God. I would try to earn the love of God. And I tell you, it was such a burden because it just brought so much performance consciousness, performance mindset that my heart was never addressed. It was always based on what I did. The God who loves me, will love me only when I do good works, when I do something very impressive to please him. So my heart was never addressed. And so I was always going through discouragement, insecurity, uh, anxiety. And it was such a burden for me until I realized this truth, that God loves me. God is love. Even when I don't love him, he loves me. Even when I am imperfect, he loves me. Even when I fail to love him as I should, he still loves me. So my stability, my strength cannot come from me, from what I do, from my love for him, but from his love for me. And the more I began to see his perfect love for me, which is the cross, the more I began to just meditate on how much he loves for me, which is his son dying on the cross, not only for my sins, but also for my sickness, for every curse, every guilt, I began to grow in the knowledge of God's love. And the more I grew in the knowledge of his love, when I had a revelation of who he is, I entered into deeper rest, I entered into deeper stability, I entered into deeper peace, and I began to see and feel that the fear was just leaving my life, the panic attacks were disappearing, the depression was just disappearing, and I entered into a rest, entered into a deep peace in my heart, where I truly experienced 1 John 4, 18, that perfect love casts out fear. It casts out fear. So I was not delivered by trying to fight fear, by trying to push out fear from my heart, from fighting fear. You see, if you are in a dark room and you want light to come in, what do you do? Do you try to resist the darkness? Do you try to remove the darkness by pushing it out of the door? Or you can just ignore the darkness and switch on a light. You can go to the switch and switch on the light. If the light's not working, you can light a candle. You can switch on a torchlight. And the moment you switch on the light, darkness leaves. You see, darkness exists in a vacuum because there is no light. But if light was there, darkness has no authority over light. Darkness has to flee. In the same way, fear exists in a heart that does not know love whether it is parental love, whether it is love from a friend or from the community or love from God. Fear exists in a heart that is empty of love. 
And you can see that even in little children. You can see that even in relationships between husband and wives. When the wife is unsure of whether the husband loves her, she's worried and anxious about herself, her standing with her husband, whether the husband is meeting other women, and so on. When you're unsure of whether your best friend loves you, you're worried and anxious whether he really, really loves me. So fear always exists in a heart that has no love, that's not filled with love. It's an empty heart. But the moment love comes into that heart, fear will just leave. The darkness will just leave. So rather than trying to resist fear, rather than trying to overcome fear by your own willpower, by your own discipline, if you will just put your eyes on the love of God for you, if you will just meditate on how much God loves for you, the light of God's love shining in your heart will drive away the fear. And that's what I've experienced time and time again when we were building our church and I was filled with anxiety and worry about where the funds were going to come from because it involved crores of rupees. I would always meditate on God's love for me. God loves me. God loves the church. He's not going to abandon me. If God is for me, who can be against me? So I kept my eyes and my thoughts and my meditation always focused on God's love for me. God's love for me. Not my love for him. Not how perfect I am for him, not how obedient I am for him, but his love for me. You know, the Bible says that we love because he first loved us. We are able to love him because of his love for us. We are able to obey because of his love for us. That means our strength, our morality, our hope comes from knowing how much he loves you and me. So this is the revelation that we need. This is the revelation that India needs in such times, that God is love. God is not in anger judging us. God is not condemning us, but he loves us. Yes, there's a sense of judgment because the judgment is already upon the earth because of man's sin. And men continue to sin. Men continue to bring darkness by their choices. And that is how we see evil growing. We see the curse replicating. It is multiplying. But I tell you, if men will just believe in Jesus right now and turn to him, they will turn from judgment into blessing. They will turn from the curse into the blessing. And they will discover peace, hope, security, grace, and favor, even in such times. And even though everywhere it may be darkness, all around you it is darkness, in your heart it can be full of light. Your heart can be full of peace and joy, and you can be like Jesus sleeping in the boat when everything around him was in the middle of a storm. And never being tossed to and fro in the waves, he was asleep and in rest. God wants you to sleep and be at rest in the assurance that God loves you in such difficult times. God bless you, and we will see you again tomorrow. If you have been blessed through this podcast, we invite you to partner with us in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ from Nagaland to the nations. We make all our series available for free, but it does cost us time, effort, and money to do. So the support of people such as you will enable us to reach more people in more regions. Remember, when you give, the Word of God says in 2 Corinthians 9.8 that God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you, always having all sufficiency, all things, may have an abundance of every good work. If you would like to support our media ministry on a monthly basis or through a one-time gift, kindly write to us at faithharvestnagaland at gmail.com. 
and visit our website www.faithharvest.in and you can go to the giving section. You can also give through this UPI ID 700-568-4533 at Paytm. God bless you and thank you so much for your generosity.